Matt Stepp, simple question. What is your favorite mascot left in the Texas high school football state semifinals? That's a good question. Um, I kind of like the Jaguars. Let's go LBJ Jaguars. Bold. Step and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your lovers, Dave Campbell's Texas football and texasfootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step, your high school football first responder. Thank you for me. You're gonna you're gonna make that stick. <laughs> I'm gonna shoehorn it in no matter what. And and I should have said skyrockets in the intro. I was did not I brain farted. The skyrockets are clearly the a great a great mascot from Wellington. Antelopes. I mean there's it's a good it's a yeah. good mix. Yeah, good I mix. picked the Jaguars. Good solid, but yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a surprisingly few Jaguars in there Texas. I, I dropped the ball on that one. Wellington Skyrockets. Uh, this is your state semifinal preview for 4A and below. Um, before we get going, a congratulations to the Sterling City Eagles, the May Tigers, the Balmeray Bears, and the Richmond Springs Jet or the Richmond Springs Coyotes, rather, who have all clinched. The, they punched their first ticket to AT&T Stadium, and they get the Super Bowl week. They get the uh, they yeah, get the, the week off. Yeah, the, part of me kind off. of wishes, but this is just selfishly kind of wishes that like all the teams had that that like we we like we punched the tickets to the semifinals and then we had a week off to like decompress and like really gear up for the title games. Man, how much we would we blow out the state championship preview if we had a week to do it? You'd think about, I mean, because that's the thing. For those who don't know, like starting this weekend, we are working pretty much around the clock to get that state championship preview up. Yeah. Selfishly, and, we'd like the week. We'd like the whole week. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, can you imagine? Like the pressure would be on to do even more. Like I think there's, there's like, I think people look at our state championship coverage and they're like, oh man, that's really cool. And especially because they had so little time. This, if if we had a full week, I feel like more would be expected of us, and I don't do well with high expectations. Mm, yeah, me neither. Ask my wife. <laughs> so, this is your state semifinal preview of edition of Tep and Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love we you. We are going to go, uh, the, the, per usual, I guess this is our third annual semifinal preview, and there will be a fourth coming up yeah. whenever I make it come. Not quite annual at that point, but it's okay. Uh, it'll be this. It'll be a. It'll it'll be in a different year. That's true. It'll be twenty twenty one. We won't have to wrangle with the nomenclature of this until we get to next December. But yeah. this is your state semifinal preview, and the way we do it here on Tap and Step is instead of picking games because they're all big games, we are going with our viewing guide. We are going to go down the schedule game by game. Uh, depending on like going, which games are kicking off when, and yes. if, and if by the way, if they kick off at the same time, we go with the biggest classification first. So, for example, chronological but, order. There's a bunch of games that kick off at 7:30 Friday. We're going from big to small in that one. So, we will start Matthew, seven o'clock Thursday at Georgetown ISD Athletic Complex, as the Fighting Ashley Pickles. Oh boy. The Lado Yellow Jackets get the Hallettsville Bramas in a matchup of 
I don't know. Like, I feel like this is, I, I keep going back to this. I think this is a referendum on the regions. Like, I think, I think that this is really a referendum on like who the stronger region is region three or region four in three, a division one. Uh, because I think, look, I think we all know that like region two is very difficult in three, a division one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we have an inkling that region three and four are pretty tough, but I think this is, this is going to be a nice measuring stick for those regions writ large. Yeah, I agree. I, I think typically you look at in the past, Region 3 has gotten the better of Region 4 um, most years, um, with a few exceptions. So I think mm-hmm. this will be this is a year where I think the gap um, has definitely closed. And part of it is because uh, the Region 3 champ is a traditional Region 4 uh, team in Hallettsville. So it'll be interesting to see um, how the matchup goes. And I'll be there on Thursday night. I'm giving, giving my uh, weekly schedule away, but I, uh, I will be in the house Thursday. Ashley Pickle... Um, the other day, basically shoved me up against the corner and like grabbed me by the scruff of my collar and shoved me up against the corner. And she was like, "You are going to go watch the Lano Yellow Jackets play. I don't care what you have going on Thursday night." Yeah, I just said yes, ma'am. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'll be going there against my will. But you know, and I think I'm going to be road tripping with Mike Roach. So how about that? Yeah, that'll be uh, yeah. Watch out, I-35 with Stephen Roach uh, careening Can't... down the highway. I I look at this game. And my breakdown of this game is I'm pretty sure both teams are going to score. Mm-hmm. Who can stop whom? And and I think my concern in this game lies on the Lano defense, which ha- is is good, but like is I would say in you know with with respect is is decidedly the second best unit on that team. Yeah, Atlanta is an offense-based team. You know, Case Kirkendall and the the Quincy Prince um, and their playmakers on offense are definitely um, the headliners of that team. I think Atlanta's got a good defensive line, uh, but th- I think their good defensive line is going to be nullified by the Howitzville offensive line, and then Howitzville's got that dude toting the rock and Jonathan Brooks. Dude, he's a madman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, he was slowed down last week with 193 yards, and oh, by the way, he had the game-winning punt return for a touchdown as well, so... Yeah. I mean, he's he's a handful, and and I don't think anyone uh, anyone on Lano's side has seen anything like Brooks. So I I think that's the real difference maker in this game is is Hallisville's got Jonathan Brooks. He's totally capable of put, putting the cape on, le- leading the the Brainless to victory. Don't think Lano has you know anyone like that. Yeah, that's the difference. Is it's like for for Lano, no, there there's no score that is too high for them in this game. I think they need to get this thing up and up and up and up. But in the end, this game's going to come down to who can stop whom, and I, I just think that's where that's where Hallettsville has the advantage. I thought actually, I thought they played a pretty darn good defensive game last week against Columbus. You know, like yeah, their defense held them in the game while the offense figured it out. Yeah, Columbus raced out to a quick lead, and it you know Columbus was was hell bent on just holding on to the football and not letting Hallettsville touch the ball, and that really kind of shortened the game and really changed the dynamics of that game. So cre- credit for Hallettsville. Credit to Hallisville for winning a game and kind of getting out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting matchup. Uh, I think you and I both have Hallettsville in this game. Um, but, it, you know, look, Lano's, Lano's had a history of, of of pulling off the big games, but, you know, coming up big when it counts. And In, and- in reality, we can't have Lano win because Pickle will be insufferable at State. <laughs> 
that's the biggest thing. <laughs> she can have her little, she can have her pom poms out. Oh, she can have her pennant. That, that jacket's pennant. Yeah, she's wearing her onesie and her black and orange, <laughs> and just yeah, no. It's uh, it's it's a, a a really fun game, and and yeah, I think that 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 you know Jonathan Brooks is that dude, and unless Lano can come up with a a, a solution for him, I think that uh, they are they're going to be chasing it. So that's your first game of the the viewing guide is Lano and Hallettsville. Uh, we're staying at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Let's go from Georgetown to Brownwood to Gordon Wood Stadium. Ah. Seven o'clock Thursday, as the Post Antelopes, the Bull Gold, take on the Crawford Pirates, and who in the heck is going to score? Because, dude, these defenses, and and, and we're gonna do the the other two A game, two A Division one game next. So I don't mind giving it away. All four of these defenses that are left really really good are ridiculous <laughs> so post is probably the most ridiculous because like they've given up i believe the last two weeks a total of 92 yards god almighty I, uh, if memory serves correctly cisco had 40 48 yards of offense last week and the week before panhandle i think he had 44 total offense for the game God just almighty. unbelievable. And last week against Cisco, Post Post put their defense in some rough spots because they they went for, they had a couple of fake punts, turnover on downs. Cisco was start started with the ball in plus territory multiple times in the first half and basically just just couldn't move the football. Um, Post defense is un, unreal. I've seen Crawford this year; they're solid. Um, it was very early in the year when I saw them. Clearly, they've gotten they've improved, um, and, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I, I think post is, is just a juggernaut right now. And, and I think that the two, two, two schools are, they run very similar offensive schemes. I just feel like Crawford plays right into post defensive strengths. And I just don't think they're going to be able to move the football consistently while, while you look at post. And I think post is going to have an edge, especially with their speed, the skill spots with guys like Ashton Jefferson and Avery Clarkson. I think that's, that's the difference in this game. I think post uh, gets it done. So that's that's kind of one thing I'm thinking because Crawford's defense has given up nine points a game. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And last week, that was what they did to who they play Boskyville? Boskyville, yeah. They just, hammered a, them. That was a 27-21 game in the regular season, and then Crawford just they clearly they've made some made progress since then because that was a total yeah. domination last week. But the reason I give post the edge is not only do I think that even in a, in a matchup of like elite defense versus elite defense post has the advantage there. But the other part of it is I think, I think Crawford's got to play one way and that is they got to run the ball and mm. if they don't run the ball. Their plan B is not great. You know, their plan B is not great. They have to run the ball with Breck Chambers and Garrett Pearson, and Post just doesn't let you run the ball. Um, and then while Post, let's say, let's say Crawford bottles up Ashton Jefferson. Like, let's just say that. And, you know, this is a little bit similar to when we saw Post last year against Valley View. You know what I mean? We were like, all right, are they able to bottle them up? Like, like, like Valley View really bottled up some of their playmakers, right? And it ended up being they had to throw the ball a little bit. And, and Sladen Pittman is that guy for Post. This this really kind of reminds me of that Valley View game last year, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that because Post has that Plan B, I think that that's what gives them the edge in this game. So it'll be fun out there at Gordonwood Stadium. That's seven o'clock Thursday night. On to seven o'clock Thursday. We stayed seven o'clock. We stay all of them are seven o'clock. I should say. 
to Randall Reed Stadium in Porter as the Shiner Comanches. Remember when we were talking about them last week? Well, seem to recall, yeah. They they won. And they will get the team you saw last week. They will get the Timpson Bears. And this, uh, look, I don't want to give away my whole analysis in one sentence, but I think Shiner's the better team. But if they come into this game sleepwalking or hungover after last week's win, Timpson is absolutely good enough to beat them. Yes, Timpson is, is very young. Um, this is a team that, that, that we may see this matchup, you know, the Timpson in this round again next year because talking to Coach Thurwanger last week, I mean, they bring back, I think, 17 starters, yeah. nine on offense and eight on. This is a young Timpson team. And and uh, Braden Courtney, who I believe is related to Carthage running back Mason Courtney. I think uh, they're cousins. Yeah, they're, he's, a tr- he's a very similar running back, has a very similar running style. Um, the Bears have a lot of speed. Uh, that freshman Terry Bussey is the real freaking deal. Um, he is a game changer. Dude. This Timpson squad is really good. Um, they're going to have, I think, like, you know, and, and Region 4 has dominated Region 3 in these matchups because, you know, Shiner, Refurio, Mason. Timpson's going to have an edge speed wise, the skill spots over Shiner, despite Shiner having a guy like Dalton Brooks. I think where Shiner's got the big edge in this game is up front in the trenches. Um, that's what we saw last week against Refurio. I think we're going to see similar this week with Shiner. I think slowly kind of wearing Timpson down and breaking, breaking off some big plays, especially in the second half. So we had some, uh, who, who was Timpson's big, they had a big regular season game and we were at for Fox. Was it Joaquin? Joaquin. And they 63 and nothing to Joaquin. Yes. And we had highlight. That was the first time I had seen Terry Bussey on, on tape. And just ridiculous. He's got he's got the juice. He's got Dude, a he, lot of juice. He's got the juice. Oh yeah. For a 14-year-old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that in a lot of ways, like I'll sum it up like this. I am pretty sure Shiner's seen a team like Timpson. And I do not I think I think Shiner saw a team like Timpson last week. Yeah, Shiner saw a team like Timpson last week. I think Refurio was probably uh, across the board a little faster in, at skill yeah. spots, you know, top to bottom. You know? I think you saw it a couple of times. Whenever in the on the rare opportunities they got loose, I mean, heck, that long touchdown run they had from Jordan Kelly was like that was that was like what Timpson has. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think Timpson. I think I think Shiner is like a like an like an alien. It's like yeah, it's a different animal than what Timpson's seen. I, it is. And I think that's going to be you know I think. It's kind of like when St. Augustine played Shine, uh, Refurio the first time. They got mm-hmm. they got blown out of the water. Then they came back the next next time and made it a lot closer. I think maybe that that could you could see a similar yeah uh, play play out between these two programs. Yeah, I think so too. By the way, speaking of cousins, uh, Doug Brooks and Dalton Brooks, mm-hmm. his they're they'll be playing at the same time as their cousin because that's right. They're related to Jonathan Brooks. Yes, that's well, there's ridiculous. some good bloodlines in that in that in that. Uh, and that family right there. A part of the world. My goodness. Anyway, that is Thursday night in Porter. Let's move on. Saying at 7 o'clock, let's go to 2A Division 2. 7 o'clock Thursday at beautiful Lion Stadium in Vernon. I'm contractually obligated to say that because I was on their commercial once. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is the Windthorst Trojans and the Wellington Sky Rockets. And Windthorst is the beneficiary of Hamlin getting knocked out, I would say. 
I benefited for sure. But I also think you line up Hamlin and Winthorst. I'd like to see it. But I mean, like, it was a great game the first yeah. time they played. So, you know, I'd like, like to, I'd like to see it. Dot Jeff. I'd like to pat myself on the back uh, in the preseason poll uh, show. I did pick Winthorst to win the region. How so about that? It worked out for me. And I, and I saw Winthorst last week, and uh, they're solid. They're, they're not going to blow you away um, with any, any one thing that they do particularly well. They're, they're just a well rounded football team that's solid across the board. Ethan Belcher. Is a really good good player at running back. Um, his brother Cy at quarterback was a little cousin, banged I up. think. Is it cousin? Okay. Cousin. cousin Cy, um, a little banged up. Um, against Albany, he he really wasn't able to move around like he normally can. So they really relied on Ethan Belcher and they relied on Cy's arm a little bit. Uh, Kyle mm-hmm. Wolf had a couple touchdown passes in that game. I think these two teams are kind of mirror images of each other. Um, they don't they don't deviate from what they do and what what they do. They're very similar in, in how they go about winning football games. Winthorpe is going to get in the spread a little bit more, but they're very much a downhill running team. Um, I think this game just comes down to it's kind of an old school kind of game. It's going to come down to mistakes. It's going to come down to turnovers. Um, I think this is kind of one of those games where, where in, in reality, um, the the winner of this game is is going to be the one who who makes the least amount of mistakes. Mm-hmm. I I lean to Wellington slightly in this game, but I think it's going to be a low scoring, just kind of slobber knocker type ball game. Well, and it's by the way, Wellington worth mentioning. Wellington got a big scare from McCamey last week. Yeah, a, he got down eighteen to nothing. Yeah, quick, and we were we, like, whoa. We had eyeball emojis in the Slack, yeah. and like, oh my goodness. But uh, man, Mark Ramirez, that kid's the truth. That he, kid is he is amazing. a workhorse, man. He yeah. he, dude. He'll I, do it on both sides of the ball and and just keep coming back for more. Well, and that's the thing is that like you look at his stat lines, and every week, every week, it's thirty two carries, thirty five carries, thirty three carries. Like they are riding him, and so mm-hmm. that this comes down to um, you know, this comes down to to defense, and this comes down to, I think that, and you and I are on opposite sides of this. I'm going with Winthorst. Uh, I think Winthor's defense gives it a very slight edge. And I also think that their ability to be a little bit more versatile, a little bit more versatile. But I think you're right. I think this is a coin flip game. I've gone back, I've 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 gone back and forth on this game three times today. So I mean, don't listen to me. Uh I, I think it's a very close game. Like I I could the other thing what's really weird is I could also this is also one of those games that I could see I could see a blowout. Like it's it's weird to say this, but like I could see Wellington just like overmatching Winthorst and running away with it. I really could. Yeah. I, I don't think you can say that about a ton of semifinals, but you could. I could also see wasn't Wellington in the semifinal last year? Do I have that right? Um no, they were in they lost to Hamlin. In, Lost to Hamlin. That's right. Wellington was in Region Two last year. That's right. Year. They're in Region Two. That's what I'm thinking. It was Hamlin and Stratford in the semifinal. Stratford and and Ham and, and Hamlin picked off like nine passes or something. Yeah, they, they buried him early. Yeah. So to me, this is about you know when th- this is about the second half because what you saw last week, Wellington is absolutely capable of coming back if you jump out and lean on them. I think this game's a second half game, and I think you're right. It comes down to mistakes. It's fascinating game Thursday at Vernon Lion Stadium. We're rolling along now on to staying at seven o'clock. Who will the winner of that game face? We go to the Pafield in Paflugerville. Ah, the beautiful field. At seven o'clock, as for the third straight year, it's Mart and it's Fall City. And 
Uh, you know, if you're a Fall City I'm, fan, I'm, con- I'm, con- I'm, congrats on getting here. But I think Mart is just gonna. I mean, it was pretty ugly last year, and I, I don't see. I I don't think this Fall City team is as good as last year's Fall City team, and I think this Mart team is probably better than last year. That's the, it's funny because I've sat here and I've tried to talk myself into this, and I've tried because 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 obviously Fall City is a good team because they made it to the state semifinals, and yet I think this is a nightmare matchup for them. I really do. I'm not trying to be dismissive or anything, but like now I think Mart's a nightmare matchup for a lot of teams, especially in 282. Especially in 280 Division 2. Yeah. I think that cuz cuz if you go back to to the basically the last 2 years, even when it was really close in 2018, cuz that was like a one-score game, 10-point game, yeah, something 20, like that. 2018 Falls City played the perfect game and almost pulled the upset. Yeah. They almost did, even though they were big underdogs. Um, the difference the last year and this year is Mart's just a lot faster. Like the team speed they have, and I'm not just talking about like the the, the uh, oh god, what's their what's their speedback's name? Um, I was looking this up just today. Their speedback's name. I want to say Campbell. Is that crazy? Kai Maybe I'm Campbell. Just, Kai, yeah. Kai, uh, it's uh, it's. Uh, it is Clyderian Campbell. Yeah, Clyderian yeah. Campbell. It's not just him. It's like their defense. Like their defense is super fast. Yeah, you know. And for Fall City, that's just a bad matchup for them because so, they are a they're a grinding. They're a plotting team. Plotting. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah, and, and you know, in 2018, they had um, the quarterback um, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, and he gave Fall City a different dimension, and he was able to, along with the running back whose name escapes me, but they were able to grind out four or five yards at a time, get first downs, and really shorten the game and kind of and made it you know kept Mart off the field. Last mm-hmm. year, Fall City wasn't able to do that. It was a lot of three and outs and punting to Mart and Mart scoring in three plays. Um, so. I think we're probably going to see prob- something similar this week. Uh, I'll be interested to see. Obviously, new head coach at Fall City. It's, you know, it's not Britt Hardy anymore. It's Mark Kerhoff. Um, so I'll be interested to see um, if there's any changes in how the strategy of how Fall City um, attacks Mart in this ballgame. Well, and, and here's here's a, a point that I'll make. Okay, the lowest point total that a two A team has held Mart to this year is forty eight. Okay, let's say that falls, which is ridiculous. And we have, by the way, we haven't men- even mentioned Roger L. Freeman. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, Who he's a, a problem. Make the whole plane out of Roger L. Freeman. Right. So let's talk about, like, let's say that Fall City goes out there and plays a defensive master class. And they go out there and they hold false, they hold Mart to their season low point out, scoring output, which is 32 points. That's their season low. Mm-hmm. Do you think Fall City can score 32 points on Mart? Mm-mm, I don't. That's I, I. I'm not trying to be dismissive, but I look at this and I'm like, it like Fall City's just a heavy, heavy underdog. Not because they're not talented, but I just think this is a poor matchup for them. So I would agree. anyway, there you go. And that closes out Thursday. At that point, we will have both two A title games set. Yeah, so I'm going to type up those previews on Friday and send them. I know, and I can record a picks video, and I can instantly regret my pick and stuff like that. So great. That moves us to Friday, Matthew, to Friday at 3.15 p.m. on Friday, a businessman (laughs) special. And I'll be there. (laughs) 3.15 at Globe Life Park in Arlington. It is the Mount Vernon Tigers 
and the Jim Ned Indians, just like everyone at Dave Campbell's Texas football predicted. Of course. And right. And don't don't fact check that. Please don't. Do not fact check that. We all predicted Mount Vernon and Jim Ned in a title game or in a in a in a state semifinal. And look, say this about Mount Vernon, man. They close. They close. You know, they're down, you know, they're down 12, seven minutes left against Matt Malakoff. I mean, we're talking against a really good Malakoff team and they, you know, credit to them. They, they two touchdowns late. Brock, I mean, Brock Neller is a player that dude. He is a stud. He is unbelievable. Two touchdown runs in the fourth quarter. Mount Vernon's defense comes up with the big stop late. And, you know, they pull off the upset on Malakoff. So credit, you know, this is a fourth. Now, this is not a typical fourth place team, but they still finished fourth in their district. And they're in the state semifinals. And and by the way, let's also bring this up. The computer had Malakoff as 20 to zero point favorites. This yeah. is a bona fide upset. I know yeah. I know Mount Vernon was playing good ball, but like Malakoff was coming in rolling. I mean, they had just beaten Grandview the week before they beat Pottsboro 52 to nothing a Pottsboro team that had beaten Mount Vernon. So take your comparing scores and just throw it out the window because it doesn't matter when it comes to, comes to Mount Vernon, especially. So um, this is a battle tested ball club with the district they played in. Um, They've, they've been in these big moments, but, but you know, this gymnette team has been on a roll themselves because they dismantled pilot point last week. That wasn't even close. Yeah. That, yeah, that what they won 43 22 or something 40, like that. 45 28, and I think Pilot Point tacked it was 45 14 in the fourth quarter. Um, Pilot Point tacked on a couple of uh, window dressing touchdowns late, but I mean, you you coming off beating Brock, you'd think Jim Ned would have a hangover. Nope, they just oh, blitz Brock's. I mean, blitz a blitz Pilot, Pilot Point. So, um, Xavier Wishart, huge game for him, four touchdowns rushing, 83 yard kickoff turn for a touchdown. He is. That guy is like the Energizer Bunny. Just so much energy, he never stops. Um, he's really fun to watch, and and he gives that Jim Ned team a real real edge about them because they're so good and, and so physical in the trenches, but they're not real dynamic at the skill positions except for Wishart. He's really mm-hmm. um, a guy who makes a huge difference for this ball club. He's a, I believe he he's a transfer. I believe he moved in this this either this year or last year from Lubbock Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he's been a big addition to Jim Ned. So. My my read on this game is I think this is I think this is a game dictated by pace. I think that if you're Jim Ned, you probably don't want to get in a shootout. As much as they looked good offensively last week, I think you want to win a game like you would did with Brock, which is go out there, punch him in the mouth, go on a long scoring drive. Come up with a couple of big plays and special teams, things like that. Hold on, win it late. Low scoring, right? Keep Mount Vernon off the field. Because I think if you were to say who's got the bigger offense, it's Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon's got the bigger offense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the shootout is not the play against Mount Vernon. No. And not so, when you're Jim Ned, you're not, that's not what you do. And so if you're Jim Ned, I think that's your play. Now, the computer has Jim Ned by two. Computer has Jim Ned by two. I let me actually let me confirm that because I that was a that was a preliminary projection. Let's find out together as I click on Jerry Forrest's website. Um, three A Division One. Uh, yeah, they've got Jim Ned by two. Um, I'm going Mount Vernon though. They uh, got they got the hot hand and they've been winning these kind of 
they've got it. They've got a real knack for winning close games. You look mm-hmm. at their playoff run, and it's been all close games. Dude, uh, three three points to three points to West, five points to Mineola, three points to uh, uh, um, to, to Malakoff last week. And their, like, their first round game was the was the quote unquote blowout against Gladewater. Yeah. Um, and that was by eleven. So this is a team that's made a made a living out of winning these close games, and 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 they know how to get it done. So we'll uh, I'm going to go with Mount Vernon. Yeah, I am too. I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating game. Three o'clock, three fifteen, rather Friday at Globe Life Park, which is weird because like if they win, they could just like walk across the street. Just yeah, they should like they should just stay the night. Yeah. All right. Whoever wins should just like stay like stay for a week. Stay for a week. Hang out. Go to Texan Live. Beautiful Arlington. Matt yes. Wilson. Matt yes. Wilson. I'm gonna invoice you for this. Yes. All right. Send us gift cards. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Four o'clock Friday at Anthony Field in Abilene, Matthew. Tell me if you've seen this before. It's the Gunner Tigers and the Canadian Wildcats for the fifth straight year. Do, do sequels generally get better? Because this might be the only se- set of sequels that's gotten better. What's the best fifth movie in a series? Mm. <laughs> so in like Star Wars, it would be Revenge of the Sith, I think. Well, which one was Rocky Five? Was that the one where he was Ooh, fought the, where, he, where he fought the Russian, or is that Rocky Four? No, nah, it's Rocky Four. Rocky Dang Five it. was the one where he fought the like the Street Fighter or oh, whatever. That's, tra- that's a trash Rocky. That's a, trash that's a Rocky. terrible Rocky. But we, hey, Rocky Four was project ranked ranked the Rockies. Rocky Rocky Four was a banger, right? Yes, Rocky which, Four is great. Which means maybe we're in for a terrible matchup here. Although I don't, I don't think well, so. Because Canadian Gunner, if you remember last year, Canadian Gunner Part Four. Was a banger because Gunner's defense made that great play on the goal line on that pass, uh, basically stopping Canadian a yard short, it less than a yard short from from tying the game up at the end of the game. Yeah. So, um, th- this these two teams, I mean, they know each other. There's no secrets here. This no. this is just going to come down to which team is makes some key adjustments, little things here and there, doesn't make mistakes. It's, it's going to come down because on paper these two are really evenly matched. I yeah. don't see either team having a big edge in this game. No. I think that you're right. I look at I look at Canadian and 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 they've got so many offensive weapons. Whether it's Josh Colwell, Hayes Huffstetler, Twister Kelton, right? Great name. Twister, Twister Kelton. Kelton. I mean they're they're stuck. And and this is going to be a huge test for Gunner. But here's the thing. Gunner passed a big test last week against Eastland. Yeah. Gunner and they, de- they were def- their Gunner's defensive line was a story in that game cuz they yeah. did not let Baron Morton do anything. Canadians going to be better up front than 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 Eastland was. So that that's going to be the real big matchup here. Is can Gunner's defensive line do to Josh Colwell what they did to Baron Morton? But but they have to be they have to play it a little more straight up because Huffstedler is a yeah. good enough running back to really make them hurt them if they if they're just totally keyed on keyed in on stopping Colwell. Yeah, and 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 the other thing for me, um, you know, the, this 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 Canadian team. I think their defense has been great, and it's I don't know. It's it's so interesting because, like, on one hand, we talk so much about how Gunner's scheme, that pistol option offense, is such a weapon because it's just so hard to game plan for. That's, that's Max Thompson and Mike Craven's favorite offense. It's it's so much fun to watch. But here's the thing, though. This is the fifth straight year the Canadian coaching staff has seen it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, don't think they haven't spent the offseason looking at it. Yeah, they they know it. They know how to slow it down. Mm-hmm. They they've 
you know, I, I, I think Gunner, you know, Hudson Graham taking to the air last week was big. Mm-hmm. I think to, you know, Ethan Sloan's an excellent running back, but I think Sloan uh, may be more of a threat in the passing game, you know, in those little mm-hmm. routes out of the backfield. Cause I think Gunner is going to have to put the ball in the air uh, mm-hmm. to beat Canadian. Cause I don't, I don't I, think they're just going to line up and run it right down Canadian's throat. And that's exactly my read on this. I think the difference maker in this game is Hut Graham, their quarterback. And I think, by the way, you know, last year, this was a guy who, as a sophomore, he was he was he was a bus driver. He was a, he was a facilitator. He's a he's a, a threat. He's a star this year, and he's got to be a star in this game if they're going to win this game. I don't want to put it on one kid, but like he it, then the name of the game to me is how big of an impact does Hudson Graham have because he has a big impact. And I think he will. That's why I'm taking Gunner. And by the way, here's another thing about this. If you remember, go back to the, the Gunners won three of the four. And you go back to us previewing this game. I bet we can even run back the tape. The 2018 semifinal. Our question was, does Gunner just own Canadian? You remember that? Like, yeah. I remember that very yeah. distinctly. Yeah, and, and then Canadian went out there and they and they and they took him down. They blew like it. They, yeah, they won pretty convincingly. So I in the the so got really last year was really the first just absolute banger of a game between these two because because the first one was close for about three quarters and Gunner pulled away. Gunner won the second one pretty convincingly. Canadian won the third one pretty convincingly, and then last year was the first one that we really had that just came down really little to the end. I think we're going to see something similar again this week, and I'm just literally—it's a coin flip game. I'm playing the odds, and I think I think they, mm-hmm. they t- it turns in Canadians' favor this week. But it's I think it's, it's such a close fair. game. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a, it's a coin flip game, and it's 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 uh, you mentioned it. Like these two teams, there are no secrets. There, this is just going to be a matchup of who goes out there and performs, like plain mm-hmm. and simple. Like who who puts the ball on the turf, you know, like. Yeah. It sucks missed, to say that, but it's going to come down to some somebody making a mistake. Yeah, who misses a key block somewhere? Who, yep. you know, something like that. So it's just—it's so good. I mean, it's so good. And I think that these are probably the two best teams in three division two. So, um, you know, apologies to the last game that we will preview, but that last game is going to be a banger too. All right, we're now into the seven thirty hour where we've got five games kicking off at seven thirty. We start at that same place, and in. Abilene at Anthony Field. How about a doubleheader here? Nice double dip. Park yourself. Let's go hang out in Abilene. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Anthony Field in Abilene. It's the Battle of the Eagles, the Argyle Eagles, and the Canyon Eagles. And try this on for size. Try this on for size. I think Argyle has feels a lot like... Alito did in 2018 in the sense that although there that's a bit of a bad comparison because they did have Jace McClellan but 2018 Alito did not I don't think that they were this team that was just so overwhelmingly amazing at one particular thing but they were just so rock solid across the board mm-hmm. in everything that they did their defense was they're like their linebackers were great and like their offensive line was great and like their secondary made plays that's what argyle feels like to me this year like like they are not they are not sexy i don't think argyle like they're not they don't have that one thing that they do super well like they don't have jonathan brooks running the ball mm-hmm. but what they do is they just they just they they 
do everything so soundly and yeah. so well. And and then in the end, by the way, you look up and like you've lost by 14, 21 points. They, they're up front on both sides of the ball. They're elite. They're really mm-hmm. good. Um, Cole Kirkpatrick is an awesome receiver. Um, I thought last week the Argyles' depth at running back really really came through. Their leading rusher was their fourth fourth string running back last week mm-hmm. because they had injuries to their top three running backs. And it's just plug and play with Argyle in a lot of ways. Um, really, really just an impressive unit all around. There's no weaknesses in Argyle. And, and you've really got to go out there and play mistake-free football and beat them. Um, Canyon. Credit to them. You know, their quarterback goes down in the second quarter, early early in the second quarter in a state quarter, fi- you know, regional final game uh, against Springtown. And you're thinking, oh, man, it's going to be over. And that sophomore, um, Cl- Derek Clemens, comes in, and, and they struggle, but the Canyon defense hangs in there, keeps them in it, and they score 10 points in the fourth quarter and get the win. Uh, huge credit to Can- Canyon and what they got accomplished. But I, I think this is a fairly significant mismatch in this part. I, I, I think Argyle uh, yeah. kind of runs away and hides. Yeah, this is one of those. I was I was talking with a buddy this weekend, and they were asking me which semifinals do you feel really, really pretty confident about. We talked about one with Martin Fall City. This is probably this is one of the other two, mm-hmm. um, because especially like if Jay DeFore's hurt, and our, I don't know what happened to him. Like I wasn't at the Canyon game. Uh, it sounded like that Derek Clements, the sophomore, came in and performed admirably. But like, you're asking a sophomore making theoretically his first start of the season to go out there and beat the number one team in the state, and 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 their offense would they they even with J to four they were a defense first team, and I'm just not I'm just not sure they could score enough to keep up with them. Like plain mm-hmm. and simple, I'm just that that's one of the things that I'm concerned about. Now their defense could hold them in it. Defense, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be like an ugly, you know, it's to go back to an Alito thing. It's going to be like that Alito-Lubbock-Cooper game last year, right? Where that where that Lubbock-Cooper defense just held them in it and, and held them in it and very nearly stole it at the end. Yeah. But that's how it's got to be because I'm just like, if it, literally, if this game, if, 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 Elite, if Argyle gets to 30, I'm just not sure Canyon can keep up. I, I agree. I think, I think Canyon's going to have to kind of, ugly it up and and make it a make it a close game like i said make it a 24 21 28 24 kind of game having a shot so that's 7 30 p.m in, in abilene let's go from abilene to umble 7 30 p.m friday night in a matchup of two teams not only looking for their first ever title game appearance two teams making their first ever state semifinal appearance as the austin lbj jaguars Take on the Lindale Eagles, 7.30 p.m. at Turner Stadium in Humble. And let's start by saying this. If you are looking for where to start your watch list for the 2020 High School Football Coach of the Year, you can just watch this game and look at either sideline. Yeah, yeah. Both, both of these guys have been fantastic this year. I mean, Jamal Fenner... I. I just don't think we can overstate how tough it was to step in for Andrew Jackson. Like that guy was king down there. Yeah. And you he, know, he, he passes away and you know, it's, it's a tough situation and he's handled it with a lot of grace and LBJ has just gotten it done. And, and, you know, they obviously have a lot of challenges um, being Austin ISD, being an inner city school, 
um, from a facility standpoint and those kinds of things. And they don't make excuses. They just go out there and play and they find ways to get it done. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, beating, beating Cal Allen and Miller in back to back, you know, they've kind of owned the three, six, one with wins over Alice, yeah. Cal Allen and Miller. They, they kind of single-handedly put 15, four, a division one out of business this year. So, um, that game against Miller was fun, uh, but Lindale is a unique challenge because Lindale um, is going to have, uh, you know, they're going to be a speedy team as well. Not as fast as LBJ, but fast enough, but they're going to be really good up front and they match up, I think pretty well with LBJ because, because LBJ matched up with Miller because, because Makuba and McCutcheon, their two star corners really forced Miller out of what they like to do offensively. Miller's passing game was really limited in this game. And they had to rely almost solely on the legs of, of Andrew Body. Lindale, on the other hand, they they'll play right into that. They'll they're they're gonna try to attack the middle of the LBJ defense with Jordan Jenkins in that big offensive line. So I think that matchup is really fascinating because you've got a, that, that Lindale strength that can kind of nullify the strength of the LBJ defense. Yeah, and. What I think is really interesting, and, and by the way, we should also mention that what Chris Cochran's doing at Lindale is just it's 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 remarkable. I mean, Lindale, the, you know, he took over that job, and and there were growing pains, and now here they are in a in a stinking semifinal. Um, Jordan Jenkins is a star here, and in a lot of ways, the more I think about it, the more I think Lindale is kind of like what happens if you take Miller and Cal Allen and smush them together, like because they've got that power running team mentality of Kyle Allen, but they got the team speed of Miller. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so this is such a challenge for LBJ. And for all we're going to talk about the stars, McCutcheon, Makuba, and then Jordan Jenkins for Lindale. I look at the other guys. I look at LBJ quarterback, Oscar, Oscar Gordon, who has grown up. That's a, that's a, that, that has, he has turned from a boy into a man this season. I mean, it really impressive. Yeah, he really has. Because that offense, they put a lot on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. That is a read-based offense, and that quarterback's got to make a lot of split-second decisions. And you can just see the game slowing down for him a little bit and, mm-hmm. and when he's making those those reads in that offense. And then Lindale's also got, by the way, Lindale can throw the ball a little bit, and they've got a, a game-breaking receiver in Jacob Siegford, right? And, and, and so they, if they need to throw, they can do that. And so, like, this comes down to defense. And, and... Like, this is one of those things where it's like, I mean, I don't know. This is such a coin flip type game. And and if if this game comes down to defense, I'm going to go with the team with the better defense, which is LBJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, I mean, again, both these offenses are so, so, so explosive that it could be, like, this could be a, this could be a wild shootout. And, 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 and it wouldn't surprise anybody. I think this game is really fascinating. I agree. I, I, I'm leaning to Lindale um, just because I've been kind of on the Lindale bandwagon. I'm going to lean to Lindale, uh, but LBJ's made me look wrong a couple weeks in a row now, so yeah. why not make it three in a row? Yeah, part of it is that I just don't want to get roasted by LBJ if I pick against him again, so I'm picking <laughs> LBJ. All right, let's go on 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Children's Health Stadium in Prosper. Beautiful stadium. stadium. Prosper. 4A Division Two, a spot in the state championship game, which kicks off Friday morning, is on the line. As the Graham Steers take on the Gilmer Buckeyes. And I don't think until I really started diving into this game, I don't think I realized just how good and how consistent this Graham defense has been. 
really underrated. You think of Graham and you think of a high flying kind of spread it out, throw it all over the field offense. And their defense this year has really been been the catalyst. It's really taken them to to the next level this year. Um, but they're going to get a, as big a test as they had all year, um, probably since their yeah. the game against Everman. When it comes to a team with athleticism, oh yeah, 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 game well, against no, Everman. Yeah, I mean, now granted, it was week one. Everman, Everman had only played week one game. So that's my excuse. Yeah, exactly. uh, but but Graham, you know that, that this will be the biggest test since that point because they're going up against Gilmer. It's a bigger test this week because Gilmer with Brandon Tennyson and all the playmakers the Buckeyes have that speed the skill spots traditionally has been a bugaboo for Graham. Mm-hmm. You look in their last three playoff losses, you know, last two years to Lubbock Estacado and in the year before to Texarkana Pleasant Grove in the state semifinals, all those games had in common was Graham's defense just had a lot of trouble containing the, the speedy playmakers on the other side of the ball. And that's the real concern if you're a, a, a Graham fan going into this game is, is can their defense find a way to contain all the speed that Gilmer's going to bring to the table? Dylan Fluellen, Brandon Tennyson, even Mason Hurt. I mean, all the playmakers that they've got over there. You're right. That's one thing. And, and I'm looking up and down Graham's uh, uh, schedule. And it's an impressive resume. Like they've got to win at Springtown. They got to win against Decatur. They got to win against Mighty Everman. Um, and then through the playoffs, they'll be good. But the one thing I'm looking at this, I'm going, all right, who's the best spread team they've beaten? Right? Because like mm-hmm. they beat Springtown. Springtown's a good team. Springtown's a ground and pound team, right? They spread it out, but they, but they're but by, by nature they're a they're, phys, they, they're, they're a, a downhill power running spread. team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Gilmer is a true speed spread. Like they are true. We want to get our athletes out in space, mm-hmm. and that's one question I have about this. But I think the other side is really interesting too, because Gilmer's had a heck of a time controlling like like stopping the run this year. Yeah, they, and that's. They, that they means uh, they're going to get a, a snoot full of uh, Daniel Gilbertson for sure. Yes, that, they that, are. He is a, a, he, he's an excellent running back. He is. He's really good. So as much as we talk about Hunter Lanham, their quarterback, I think a lot of this comes down to how effective can Daniel Gilbertson be. And can they make Graham one-dimensional? That's kind of one of the things, I think. Because – that, and this is a this is a fascinating game. Like, and the other thing, you know, look, that's like it, it, a lot of this just comes down to whether or not Graham can handle Gilmer's speed. Like, this is a this is in a lot of ways kind of your very traditional East versus West game, in the sense that one team's got the speed advantage, the other team might be a little bit more physical, right? In Graham, and so what wins out? I think I lean towards Gilmer. I think they've got too many playmakers, and I think that's going to be problematic for Graham. But I'm expecting a really, really interesting game, potentially, potentially kind of high scoring in this one. I think it's going to be high scoring. I lean to Gilmer as well. I think Graham makes keeps it interesting because their offense is dynamic enough. But I think in the end, Gilmer's defense, which I thought played their best game of the year against uh, Cato Mills last week. I think Gilmer's defense rises to the occasion late. Yeah, that was one thing is that last week that was a white hot Cato Mills offense and they were able to really hold them in check. Um, so yeah, that's that's one thing to keep an eye on. Okay, so that is 7.30 p.m. We're staying at 7.30 p.m. And let's go to Porter. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Randall Reed Stadium in Porter as the Carthage Bulldogs take on the Wimberley Texans. And uh, Matt Stepp, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a team called, well, I don't want to use their real name. Let's call them 
memberly. Well, well yeah, this the is mem- uh, the memberly. The memberly. I don't know. Oklahomans. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was gonna think, trying to think of another state. Yeah, <laughs> the, the memberly Washingtonians. Yeah, memberly. Last year entered the playoffs uh, at uh, with three losses. Then they got red hot. They avenged a district loss to um, Mavaro in the regional final. Then Mark they took Mavaro on high school, and then they took on an uh, an uh, a Piney Woods Southeast Texas East Texas team that they were supposed to lose to. Philsby, and they, right? In, in, in Philsby, mm-hmm. and uh, they beat them and made a title game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a, a proverb that I've learned a lot about. Uh, and now let me introduce you to what Wimberley's doing this year <laughs> because it's the same thing. They're doing the exact same thing as they did last year. They are. They are. They're, they're, on, they're, they're doing that thing again yeah. uh, that, that Doug Warren's teams tend to do. And, uh, but, man, this week it's different. It's, <laughs> it's a, different. It's different because Carthage is just a whole nother ball of wax uh, than anything I think anyone in 4A Division Two has seen. Um, you know, they they didn't talk to Carthage people, and they were kind of complaining about they, how how they didn't play well last week. And they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know because they're like, oh, we turned it over on downs at the three. We fumbled going into the end zone for a touchdown. You know, it's just like, guys, you scored fifty two. But I mean, they beat they beat one of the hottest teams in the nation by thirty. 38. 38! And it probably, you know, and it could have been worse. There's no doubt about it. But it was over, that game was fundamentally over at halftime. I mean, it was, what, 31 to 7 at the half, yeah. I think? Yeah. Over. Um, that's just, that's, but that's just the level of expectation in the bar that they've set at Carthage. It's like, man, we, they, they just expect to play well every week. And it's like, man, that's awesome. But, man, just enjoy the win a little bit, guys. It's like, come on, man. But that's just not how – I guess it's not how Scott Surratt is wired. And so, and so look, Wimberley's huge underdogs in this game. They are. Huge, huge underdogs. And, 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 but they've got some weapons that, look, I think Matthew Tippy's playing really well. I think they've got great balance. All, I think Moses Ray's playing well. Mm-hmm. I think their defense is playing really well. This is, a, this is probably a better defense than they had last year. Yes. Uh, and so that's saying something. But Carthage is just a different beast. And, and what's, what especially concerns me if I'm Wimberly is that Carthage running game, that offensive line, and Mason Courtney, they are eating. Right and now. then the play action with Kai Horton and those yeah. speedy receivers, and then they just take the top off the defense. I, Carthage is just, you know, they're just so well, well, they're so balanced, they're so oiled, and you watch. It's really, to me, I love watching Carthage because it's like a, it's like poetry, it's like a, a synchrony, you know, a symphony. They're all in synchrony. They're all, they're all aligned. They, they just the play action game works well. The offense, Scott Surratt is a he's got such a feel for play calling yeah. and adjusting. I it's it's a tough they're tough to stop. I mean, they're fun to watch as a neutral though. And I and it, it would be one of the biggest playoff upsets in a long time if Wimberly won this game. Just I, I agree with that. Point. I'm trying okay, like the weirdest thing, man. I go back and 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 you know, um a a a a, a, a we hold a thought for the late great Jeff Walker. Because I keep thinking back to that 2018 semifinal 
And I'm like, man, how did they do that? How did they do? How did Liberty Hill beat them? They that was a really special Liberty Hill team. Yeah, man, no question about it. It was a really unique team, and 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 I, they caught Carthage on a on a on a you know another wind was blowing. You know, not to make excuses for Carthage, sure. but Carthage Carthage didn't play as well probably as they felt like they should have. The wind was blowing. They were kind of limited offensively for half the game, and Liberty Hill that slot T offense is built for all weather. So I think they just it, uh, it was a perfect storm. You know that because- day. Because here's the thing, if we were, if they, if they win that game, if Liberty Hill wins the game, well, then we get Carthage, or rather if Carthage wins the game, then we get Carthage and La Vega, which is, you know, well, we get that, I guess, again. Um, and we could be talking about Carthage going for five straight. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's that, it's that close. I think they're what, 70 of 71 wins now. I think they've won seven, they're 70 and one in their last yeah. 71, something like that. Cause they won the first, the Keontae Ingram's junior year. They won like their last, I think five regular season games and then won yeah. six in a row in the playoffs. And then they went, they've gone 16 and 0 in 2018 and 20, uh, 2017 and 2019. And then they went 15, 14 and one in 2018. And then they're 12 and 0 right now. So Ridiculous. just, it's, it's an incredible run. And, Scott Surratt has got an absurd amount of state championships and he could be adding another one this year. So let's round it out, Matthew, our 12th and final game at 7:30 PM Friday night at Trinity mother Francis Rose stadium in beautiful Tyler, Texas. It is a three, a division two state semifinal and a rematch of a game that lives in our infamy. <laughs> <laughs> it is a game that is constantly talked about among sports writers as one of the weirdest state championship games ever. The the uh, late night 10 o'clock uh, state title game in 2015 between Wascom and Franklin. And if you want to see some fun stuff, pull up a, Oh my 20, God. The 2015 game recap with you and Max, where you both not not to say you looked terrible, but you looked tired. Oh, we're dragging ass. <laughs> oh, um, it was just an, yeah. That was the famous uh, ordered Frenchie's chicken in the press box. Uh, it was just a wild day. Well, because that was because that was the UIL uh, attempted to do, and they learned better. Uh, but uh, they attempted to do a quad. They yeah. tend to do four games in one day, yep. and that was the other thing, and we were talking about this. Well, I promise we'll get to the Franklin Washington game in a moment, but a little inside baseball here. Um, that was also – that was the same day that – God, it's just – man, there's a terribly sad like time in this podcast now, but like that was the, the same day that Treyon Smith happened. That happened the game before that against Broke Rock. His leg. Yeah. Uh, Broke his leg. The late yeah. great Treyon Smith. Uh, that was that game kicked off with like Canadian romping Refurio. Yeah, it was. What was the second game? Bremont and Albany, which we, we oh, you know, yes. it was kind of we Albany hung around, but we we just kind of knew Bremont. It was just never in doubt. That was the know. Rashad Paul. Yeah, um, one, it was a long day. It was a long day of state tape. Champion. Like after one a.m., it was. Yeah. Oh my we god! And, and the other thing about that game, and this is okay. Here's a perfect tie-in. Okay, here's the segue. The other thing about that game was that game was a bit of a slog. That game was, especially the way that Franklin played, they were th- very much three yards in a cloud of dust. Wascom was a little bit more explosive. Yeah, Junebug Johnson and yeah. the Johnsons, yeah. But Franklin in that game weirdly tried to become a passing team, and it was yeah. just like, what are they doing? Yeah. It was very odd. Yeah. Well, now we get a rematch of that game five years later, and I think this is a different Franklin team. Um. I don't. I don't think it has anything. I mean, they have a new head coach in Mark Fannin, but I don't think he's gone through there. I think they just have the guys that now 
they are a lot more explosive. Yes, they are. They've got some big time playmakers. And and so Bryson Washington, Seth Spiller, they can they can blow it up. Mm-hmm. Now going up against Wascom, who they've been held under forty four points twice this year. Uh, that offense de- is cooking. Even and with the backup quarterback, their starting quarterback, the freshman, went out uh, thinking in the elite, the first Elysian Fields game. DJ and, Feaster, Sean Hamilton, uh, Marcus Gonzalez, they are Yeah, Gonzalez is the one. Yeah, Gonzalez was play, was a starter in the secondary and took over at quarterback in week 9. They are humming right they now. Haven't missed a beat. Right. And so, and by the way, both defenses at least recently have been um uh, beatable. They've dude, given up points. Dude, I think this game could be our I think this could be the Dave Campbell's Texas football tepid step wild ass game of the week. Yeah, I like it. The cut the brakes game of the week. I think it could be the cut the brakes game yeah, of the week because yeah. I think these two teams are going to go. Yeah, I think we can see both games in the 40s for sure. I mean, that this is this just a lot of speed on this field, and I think it's really interesting for a spot at the state championship game. And by the way, look, uh, Mark Fannin was was quoted after their win last week over Buffalo uh, when, when somebody brought up, he's like, oh, you've got a rematch with Wascom. And, and he was like, you know, like, because he was on that that staff for Mike Hendrick, he was like, "I remember that," and like yeah. our community kind of wants a piece of them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I think there's still I, I know it's been five years and none of these players played in that game, but like there's some I think you know there's some bad blood. They're gonna be there's running some, back that tape. There's some long memories now. They got to go. They got to go to East Texas to play this game. That's a big advantage I think for um, Wascom, right? Because that game mm-hmm. the game is in Tyler, so that's a that's a. I mean, it's Tyler's not exactly close to Wasco. I mean, it's still a good hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half, hour probably closer to hour and a half uh, for Wascom. So it's not down the street, but that's still familiar territory for Wascom. And f- Franklin, you know, located down there around Bryan College Station, they're kind of coming into in- enemy territory in this game. So that's a that's a little bit of an edge for wa- for for uh, for Wascom in this game. I like Franklin because I think up front in the trenches on both sides of the ball is where the Lions had the big edge in this game. And I think that's where the, the in that game a couple of years ago when they played in the state championships, Franklin had that edge, but they were mm-hmm. really outclassed the skill spots. I think they closed the gap at the skill spots. And they still had that edge in the trenches. Entirely agree. I think that's exactly where I'm at. I do think this has a chance to be just a wild, wild shootout and could be a lot of fun. So that's going down Tyler's Trinity, Mother Francis Rose Stadium. And so – by the time, by the way, isn't that nice that we don't have to wait for any semifinals on Saturday? Yeah, it's great for us, yeah, because I can spend Saturday uh, during my while I'm at big school playoff games, kind of between plays and at halftime, working on uh, state championship capsules. So there you go. By that time, we will have punched, uh, I guess, sixteen tickets to AT and T Stadium in Arlington uh, between uh, between uh, the the four we've already punched in the six man ranks, and then these. 12 so there you go that's all the games can't yell at us for not previewing your game because we did all of them um yeah that's it um all right uh that's gonna do it for us thanks for being a dave campbell's texas football insider and step thanks for your courage thank you do i need to go over my schedule for the week or again oh yeah i guess go ahead never mind i was doing the outro and everything i'm not even gonna cut this i'm gonna leave this in i know well uh in about an hour i will be in keller for the as the final 6a playoff spot in the state of texas is wrapped up as keller and timber creek play yeah uh, by the way I had, to, I had to throw that out there on twitter i was like yes i know there's a blank spot on the bracket i promise it's not a mistake there are other mistakes on there that i fixed but not yeah. that one 
Uh, and then uh, Thursday, I'll be in Georgetown for Hallettsville and Lano. Me and Mike Roach from uh, our buddy Mike Roach from Twenty Four Seven, the Texas site, will be uh, heading down to Georgetown. He's driving, so I get to save the mileage. Perfect. Uh, Friday, I'll be at Globe Life Park uh, for the doubleheader. Um, first game is Jim Ned and Mount Vernon. The second game is six A game, uh, Byron Nelson and North Crowley. Uh, Saturday, early Saturday at noon, I'll be in Azel for Azel and Burleson Centennial. Uh, probably hang around that game for about a half and then head over to back, back to Globe Life Park uh, for 315 kickoff between Arlington Bowie and Richardson Pierce. Okay. There so, you go. Full um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Okay. By the way, we will have one more podcast this week, but it's going to be a 6A and 5A bracket breakdown. So be on the lookout in your feed for that. That Now I'm going to do the outro step. All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. And Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next time on Tap and Step.